0: So how are you guys doing? Well, I'm doing all right. My name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter. I want to welcome everyone out to the greatest place to be on a Friday night. On any night. That's right. On, on any night. Hey, listen, if you're watching online around the country, we want to welcome you. If you're here in the Father's house at the Sanctuary Church, we want to welcome you. I'm going to get this cough out and then we're going to get started, okay? <coughs> okay. Now I feel better. Okay. Hey, I'm excited about tonight. Does anybody in this place need a little hope? Anybody need hope? Come on, we all need a little bit more hope. All need hope. And tonight's talk is called Hope is an Anchor for My Soul. So if you were here with us last week, I was really excited to share, uh, you know, talking about I needed an encounter. I sort of talked about the whole uh, reason why we call encounter, encounter, that we need an encounter with God. We need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. We need an encounter with God's Word. We just don't need a meeting. We need, encou- we need an encounter with God. And in tonight's talk, which is going to be based on anchor number two, which is believed that God's love and power can restore hope and healing. In the middle of tonight's talk, actually in several uh, places, we're going to talk about the, our, our ministry's key signature verse, which I'm going to be sharing later on. But I'm really excited uh, to really share that, that, that hope is an anchor for my soul, a firm foundation, a secure foundation. And I'm going to explain what that scripture in its entirety really means to us. But we're talking about hope tonight. We're talking about faith tonight. And Mark Batterson said this. He said that hope is never losing faith in the end of the story. And we know that as believers, we know the best is yet to come. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals his second step. Because God's already taken the first step by proving his love to us through Jesus Christ. Doubt is putting your circumstances before you and God. Faith is putting God between you and your circumstances. Faith is seeing the invisible, hearing the inaudible, and believing the impossible. That's what hope does. Believing the impossible. I love the fact that Anchor 2 is called the faith anchor because it's the only anchor that begins with the word believe. And that's a big word around here is believe. And Hebrews 11:1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and what? Certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11:6 says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And he rewards. Don't miss that word. Isn't that a great word? He actually rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards you. I love that. So if you want to be a God pleaser, you have to live by faith. Not by sight. And on top of that, there are great rewards. Great blessings. Waiting for you. And even as I'm talking now. This is usually the place where the excuse of, well, I don't really have a whole lot of faith comes in. And sometimes that selective hearing starts tuning the rest of the message out. And that's the message a few weeks ago. Stop it. Don't do that. Because a lot of us, we're already going down a highway of self-defeating, doubtful thinking that leads to hopeless actions. And the first thing I just want to say to you, if that's the way you're thinking right now, you're not alone. If all of us are really honest, we all struggle with this thing called faith, don't we? We all have areas, I don't care who you are, that we believe God for. And there are areas in every person's life that you honestly don't believe God for. All of us are guilty of that. There's a dad that had an encounter with Jesus that you're going to study more. And I I hope you'll do an encounter study. We're taking sign-ups for the encounter studies uh, and there's a great story about just a dad that had an encounter with Jesus and because the disciples couldn't heal his son. And, and actually, this was a real intense scene. And, and the dad told Jesus, if you can do anything, and Jesus responds back to the dad and says, if? If I can do anything? Do you know who you're talking to? you know really who you're talking to? And the dad had one of the greatest comebacks. Uh, that you see in all of the Bible. It's a, it's a great faith statement. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I think if we were all honest, that would be a great prayer for us. I believe, but help my unbelief. And the second thing I want to tell you is this. You have faith whether you think you have it or not. Romans 12.3 tells us that we should humbly measure ourselves according to the faith that God has given us. To each and every one of us, God has given it. You have faith. And why is what I'm saying so important? It's important because unbelief is the root of every sin. And if you want to live your life, your entire life not believing, ultimately, it could lead to the only unforgivable sin. And that's when we reject the Holy Spirit's promptings to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and leader of our lives, the one who forgives us of all of our sins and gives us eternal life. And to die in that state of unbelief, that's the only unforgivable sin. But here's the encouraging news. God never, ever said you needed a lot of faith, a large amount of faith. He just wants you to use the faith that he's given you. You have to be a good steward of your faith. You have to grow your faith. You have to do everything you can to work out your faith. You know, just by you being here tonight is a sign of faith. Just by showing up, you know, I'm just going to go to the ends of the earth on Friendly Valley Parkway. It's a, you know, it's a thousand miles away from where I live, right? Maybe you live in Valencia, okay, and you came all the way to Santa. Cruz. I like I live in Castaic. It's a long drive. I get that, okay. It's a sign of faith that you came here. It really is. You know, the apostles approached Jesus, and I love the two questions that they asked Jesus. They, you don't see them asking him a whole lot of questions, but the two things that they asked for was teach us how to pray and increase our faith. You know what I call that? A good request. You see, faith is like a muscle. I was so excited this week. I got back in the gym this week. OK? I was really excited. started working on those dead, dead muscles. Okay, But faith is like a muscle. The more you work it out, the stronger your faith gets. The more you use the gift of faith, friends, listen to me very carefully, the more hope, the more hope you're going to have. And so if your goal is to please God, faith is the roadmap to pleasing God. Faith is the highway that determines what you do. Faith is the roadway to all his blessings and favor because what you believe does determine what you do. And they have momentary, seasonal, and eternal ramifications of either blessings or curses. And you choose whatever life you want to live. You see, you reap what you sow always later, always later and greater, either blessings or curses. And it's never too late for anyone to start activating your faith and investing in later and greater blessings. But let me tell you this, faith has to be your Genesis starting point for everything that you do. You see, fear consults the facts, but faith always consults the truth. Trust, listen to me very carefully, is the highest form of faith and produces hope that always changes everything. But I know that it is hard It is hard to find hope in heaven when you feel like your life is a living hell sometimes, doesn't it? Hope is hard to find without faith. And everybody's looking, I mean, everybody's looking for hope. Every person who has ever lived has pondered the question, is there any hope for me? Is there any hope for my situation? You've pondered this in many situations because this question is asked by thousands of people in thousands of ways. As you sit in a doctor's office, waiting test results, is there any hope? When a couple has tried to reconcile and counseling gets them nowhere, is there any hope? When a family hears that their child is missing, is there any hope? When you hear the words, I don't love you, anymore or I never did and I'm leaving you is there any hope when you get a pink slip or you lose your job or when you experience the pain of physical sexual or verbal abuse is there any hope when you doubt if your life will get any better is there any hope when a loved one dies in an accident is there any hope when your fears become greater than your pain and you lose all confidence is there any hope? When your bad habits take over your life and you realize that your life is out of control, one of the biggest fears you'll ever have, is there any hope? When depression, and depression is real, leads you to a dark and helpless state of mind, is there any hope? Can I ever be set free from these chains that keep me in bondage? Is there any hope? Now, one of the reasons why so many of us ask the question, Is there any hope? Because in reality, the only reason why we ask that question is because we feel separated and disconnected from God. We feel distant from God. We don't feel like we're in God's presence. We don't feel that God is right there with us. There's a disconnect. We feel disconnected from his presence, his power. Therefore, his promises and the pathway that he's given us that always produces hope. There's that disconnect. And I want to just say, welcome to man's oldest problem. This disconnect, this separation from God is man's oldest problem for thousands of years. The one thing that has never, ever changed, I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, is that God is holy. He is still holy, even in this age. He's still holy. Matter of fact, he's so holy (coughs) that he can't even be in the presence of sin. He can't even look at sin. He's so holy. That still is the same. You see, sin has separated us from God. And generations have been trying to find their way back to God. Hebrews 6, 19. This is our ministry signature verse. It says, we have this hope. As an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It goes on to say this. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Now, we're not talking about the price is right, curtain number one, two, and three. We're talking about the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. Have you ever thought about what's behind that curtain a wide, what is the inner sanctuary in this room? Maybe you've, maybe you've heard someone say it's called the Holy of Holies. Have you, ever, have you ever done a study? And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the holiness of God in the innermost and most sacred ancient tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Jerusalem. You see, the Holy of Holies was constructed meticulously as a perfect cube. No windows, no nothing. It was just a perfect, perfect room. It contained only the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of Israel's awesome, special relationship with God. And once a year, on on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the high priest, one high priest in Israel, was permitted to enter the small enclosure to burn incest and sprinkle the blood of a sacrificial animal on the mercy seat of the ark this is what happens in the holy of holies by doing so this one man one man for a whole nation the high priest atoned for not only his own sins but for the entire nation of israel the holy of holies was separated from the rest of the tabernacle temple by the veil a huge heavy drape made of fine linen blue and purple and scarlet yarn embroidered with gold cherubim it's a it's a pretty magnificent magnificent curtain and god said that he would appear in the holy of holies hence the need for that veil and there exists the barrier between god and man right there you can see it there's a barrier no one could just walk in this place You see, the holiness of God could not be accessed by anyone but that high priest. And then only once a year. Just one time a year. You see, God's eyes are too pure to look on evil. And he can't be in the presence of sin. The veil and the elaborate rituals undertaken by the priest were a reminder that we cannot and we should not Carelessly or irreverently irreverently enter God's presence with a careless, lackadaisical, here I am God attitude. See, before the high priest entered the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, he had to wash himself. He had to put on special clothing. He had to bring burning incense. You know why? He had to let the smoke cover his eyes so so that he wouldn't have a direct view of God. He couldn't see God face to face. And he had to bring sacrificial blood with him to make an atonement for sins. That's pretty hard. That's, that's, that's just really, really difficult. And but why is this so important to us today? I'll tell you why. When Jesus died, something miraculous happened. And here's what Scripture says in Matthew 27:50 50 through 51. And when, Jesus, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, the veil was not torn by, by man. It was torn by God in a miraculous event. It was a supernatural event done by the power of God to make a very specific point. Because of the death and what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me, man was no longer separated from God. There's no longer any separation from God. We have full access to the power of God, to the glory of God, to the presence of God, to the holy of holies, any place, any time, anywhere, anywhere. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for what you did for us because we can enter into God's presence at any point in our lives. That's what that means for us. You see, Christ's body was torn on the cross. No longer would we have to depend on priests to perform a once-a-year sacrifice. There are still people going to a priest today to atone for their sins when we can just go to God directly. Now we have access to God through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10 says this, therefore, brothers and sisters, I love this scripture. In 19, verse 23, since we have confidence, let me ask you, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, the blood that was shed on that cross gives you confidence to enter the most holy place. Let me just just ask you this question Do you have confidence to enter the holy place? Do you? You should. You should. How much time do you spend in the holy place? How much time do you spend with the creator of the universe in his temple, which is available to me and you today? It says, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new And living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. That's the curtain now, Jesus' body. And since we have a great priest, that's Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance. And here it is, that what brings? That what brings? Your works? No, that faith brings That faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Anyone struggling with guilt and shame? You can have your hearts sprinkled and have that cleaned away and having our bodies washed with pure water. And I love this. Let us, I love this word. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Trust in me, I'm not faithful. Trust in Jesus, he's faithful. He's faithful, so let me share with you some additional insight and direction tonight from God's word that makes our hope and anchor for our soul firm and secure. One, if you're taking notes on your fill-in-the-blanks, hope depends on knowing the word of God. Romans 15:4 says, "For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction." That's why I read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, not just from Matthew. Revelation. I read it from Genesis to Revelation. It was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have what? Hope. You get into God's Word, God's Word gets into you, you make God's Word the authority over your life. Not only will it bring you great joy, direction in life, peace, power, purpose in life, you're going to have hope. Whenever I read this book, I have hope. I can just turn anywhere. And I just find scriptures that always give me hope. Man, there's a ton of scriptures I'm going to share. I was going to get, go through with you now. When, I'm not going to go rogue on you. I'll go rogue later. How's that? Is that good? But I just love God's word. I just get excited. I just get, it just brings me hope. You know, in a day when I have no hope, I could sit down and open up this book. And I have hope. Anywhere I turn, I can find hope. I can find hope. Like it says in Isaiah, I'm going to do it in anyway. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths, youths, Y-O-U-T-H-S, okay? I'm a New Yorker. I can't say the word youths. Grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's what God's word does. Hope just rises up. It just gets you excited. It just gives you purpose. I don't know about you, but I just love the hope that this book brings to me on a daily basis. Number two, I'm excited. I'm just excited. I'm sorry. I just just love this stuff. Hope depends on knowing and resting in God's grace. This is important. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself And God, our Father, who has loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. Did you you catch that? By his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope. Oh, man. Number three, hope depends on being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is important. You know why this is important? See, you're either filled with the Spirit or you're full of yourself. You know, I come from New York. You know, when I would when I would say something that someone knew I wasn't really, I was lying or something, or I was just trying to get an, I was just trying to get over on something. People in my neighborhood would say, "You're full, of you're full of it. You're just full of it." And I was. I was always full of it. I was always full of myself. But now I'm full of the Holy Spirit. And you're either full of yourself or you're either full of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13 says this. Now may the God of what? Hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number four. We need to spend a few minutes on this one. Hope, friends, listen to me very carefully. Never, never disappoints. Hope never disappoints. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, therefore, since we have been justified through what? Faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. What does that mean, in which we now stand? Well, that's your positional authority in Christ. That's where you are. You're forgiven by grace. You're saved by grace. And we rejoice in the hope in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, in other words, here comes the benefit package. Here comes the bonus plan. Not only so, but we also rejoice, we're excited, we throw parties in our sufferings, right? When I go in for a neck surgery, I get excited, I witness to the people in the hospital, right, Teresa? Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering... Produces perseverance. Perseverance what? Character. And character what? Hope. Friends, let me me just break this down for you. You cannot experience hope without going through suffering and perseverance and having God build your character. And hope does not disappoint us. It never disappoints us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who... Whom he has given us. This hope that doesn't lead to disappointment means that you never ever skip class on God's school of character development. You can't skip class on that. It means you understand and believe by faith that God never ever wastes a hurt. He never wastes pain and suffering. But through that pain, suffering, and hurt, He has a pathway and a purpose for you to go through so you can experience not just any hope but a living hope, a living hope that never disappoints. So the next time you find yourself in a hopeless desert, in a hopeless storm, in a hopeless fire, in the trial of your life, just stop. Just stop it right there. Instead of praying for God to get you out of it, that's what I used to do. God, get me out of this storm. Get me out of this fire. Lord, just get me out of this situation with Myra. Just get me out of this situation. Myra, I'm watching you. Myra, just Lord, get me. I used to pray get me out, but then I learned. I I stopped praying prayers of get me out. I I started praying different prayers. And here's two prayers that you can pray. Prayer one, God, is there a lesson you're trying to teach me? Is there a lesson you're trying to teach me? And B, here's a second prayer I learned to pray. You may want to write this down. What character, God, are you trying to produce in me? What are you trying to... What character are you trying to produce in me? And then after I prayed those two questions, I learned to take an SAT test. Now, the first SAT test I took is pretty... I took, it was a low number. just want to be honest with you. I didn't score well on my SAT. But when I took this SAT test, I scored big time. And here's what an SAT test is. The S stands for seek God's purpose in the storm. Seek his purpose. Don't just pray, get me out. Seek his purpose. The A in SAT, acknowledge his presence, his truth, and his leading. And the T is trust God no matter what. Trust God no matter what. And you'll score big time on your SAT. Number five, apart from Christ, there is no hope. There is no hope. Outside God, there is no hope. Ephesians 2:12 says, "In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you didn't know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. There is no hope apart from Christ. Number six: hope requires waiting and trusting God's word over your circumstances, feelings and emotions. This is big. Hope requires waiting and trusting God's word over your circumstances, feelings, and emotions. Psalm 135, 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being, what is my whole being? That's my emotions. That's my feelings. That's my circumstances. That's my physical being. That's my spiritual being. My whole being waits, and in his word, I put my hope. I put my hope. Number seven, when you fear God and put your hope in his unfailing love, he never takes his eyes off of you. He never takes his eyes off of you. Psalm 33:18 18 says, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. His eyes are on you. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how you're always in his thoughts. You're always in his plans. You're always in his hands. And his eyes are always on you. Did you know that God never takes his eyes off of you? Do you ever have somebody just say, you know, watch this for a second? Or just watch my kids? And maybe you it before. I love I to babysit, by the way. But Don't call me with your kids. Okay, but... Well, you take, your eye off, you take your eye off a four-year-old for, for 30 seconds, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Do you know that God never takes his eyes off of us? Not for a split second. God doesn't have to blink because he's God. And his eyes are always on us. That's an amazing thought when you think about it. Number eight, hope is the antidote to depression and hopelessness when you trust in God. Psalm 42.5 says, why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Number nine, hope brings joy. Crazy joy. Stupid joy. Silly joy. It just brings joy. Romans twelve twelve, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. There's that suffering thing again. Be joyful in hope. Be joyful in the blessing that's not at the front door of your life yet. And number 10, we need to hold on to hope during difficult seasons to experience the faithfulness of God. Here's that scripture again. I want to put it up there. A couple of scriptures I'm putting up a few times tonight. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold unswervingly. Everyone say unswervingly. No, no. Let's everyone say unswervingly. unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is what faithful. And as we bring this thing to a close, let me just ask you: How much fight do you have in you? Are you battle weary? Are you battle? Are you discouraged? Are you decimated by your failures? I've seen your bitmojis. The struggle is real. I've seen it. I've seen them. And it is real. And faith is acknowledging that it's okay not to be okay, but hope says it's not okay to stay there. Let me say it again. Faith is acknowledging that it's okay not to be okay, but hope says it's not okay to stay there. See, contending and fighting For what you believe in is harder than conceding to what you're afraid of. Hope never gives up. And I'm here to tell you, just like I do each and every week, that God has not given up on you. So don't you ever, ever give up on God. And don't you ever give up on yourself. Ever. Hope says, I know God's fighting for me. Hope says, I know God loves me. Hope says, I know nothing is impossible. Hope says, I know every chain is breakable. Hope says that I know Jesus has made a way when there is no way. Hebrews 6, 19 again. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters where? The inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. Let me give you a, a sort of a picture that the writer is painting here. Normally when you think of an anchor, you think of something you drop from the boat to keep you from drifting. True. True. But it's a different picture here. It sort of gives a different imagery here. It's a nautical term called catching. And catching is using an anchor to navigate a very straight or rocky bottom where it's going to be very difficult to, what you're, to where you're going without incident. And what you do is you take that anchor and you pitch it in front of you. And you let that anchor land and you start pulling yourself to where you want to get to. You don't just let it stabilize, you start pulling yourself. Then when you get to where you want to get to, you throw that anchor out again. And then you start pulling yourself to where you want to get to. That's what you do. You just take that anchor, you pitch it in front of you. You have something tied to it, and you keep pulling, you keep believing, you keep pulling yourself. Now this anchor, this hope, it anchors us. And I love that this anchor is depicted in the Holy of Holies behind the curtain. See, we learned tonight that the curtain was torn in two when Jesus was crucified. So we don't have to picture an anchor going into a temple. But what we do is we pitch that anchor into god's presence we pitch that anchor into god's word we pitch that anchor into god's promises and we let that anchor land and we just start pulling ourselves to it by faith and for every time you pull for every time you stretch for every muscle that gets strained hope starts rising up hope starts building up inside of you you see an anchor really does have two main purposes It keeps us from drifting and it adds stability in the storm. That's what an anchor does. Hope is called an anchor for the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. That's what it does. That's what hope does. R.C. Sproul said, but hope is not simply a wish. I wish that such and such would take place someday. Rather, it is that which latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on up and I'm gonna share a final scripture. It's gonna bring this thing to a close. And I love this. I was, I was just praying before the service, before the service. <laughs> did, you, did you catch that? I was praying on the surface, before the service, but not on the surface. There we go. It says this in Romans 4, verse 18. It says this. Against all hope. I love this. Against all hope. Abraham in hope. Don't you love that? Against all hope. Against all odds. Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. That's us. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, because he never wavered in his faith. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. You know what good as dead means? It means as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old. God told him they were going to have a kid. Abraham was like, what? Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. In other words, they were just, they weren't, you know, spring chickens anymore. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power, to do what he had promised. Wow. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited credited to him were written not for him alone, don't miss that, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. I guess the whole point of the story is, don't ever give up. And the reason why you should never give up is because we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. It is firm, and it is secure. There are different types of hopes you can have. But when you have a secure hope that you can bank on God and his promises, that's the life of blessing, and that's the life that God wants to have for each and every one of us. Let's worship.